day brings us closer. Closer to the moment when the next generation of NFL stars learn their destiny. And franchises try to lay the foundation for the next dynasty. With the first pick. This is First Draft. Now alongside NFL Draft Insiders Mel Kuyper Jr. and Todd McShay, here's Chris Brown. Welcome back to another draft season of First Draft. There's no better place to start a first draft than when we actually have a mock to break down. Mel Kuyper has a fresh one out. I'm Chris Sproul, joined by Mel. Todd McShay is also here. Before we get started, real quick, go to the Apple Podcast, search First Draft, subscribe, rate, and review. Mel, it's time to rate and review this mock draft. You feeling confident? <laughs> Never. Never. Not with the first one. Mm-mm. 25 trades, bunch of 40s, all kinds of things to happen between now and then. Just real quick, just to get a people with a snapshot of the top five. Nick Bosa goes number one to Arizona. Josh Allen, pass rusher out of Kentucky, goes two to the Niners. Quinnen Williams goes number three to the Jets. Greedy Williams, the cornerback from LSU, goes number four to the Oakland Raiders. Tampa Bay Bucks get Jonah Williams, a blindside pass protector out of Alabama. Number six, this is where it gets interesting, and we'll talk about it a lot over the next few months. Dwayne Haskins, quarterback of Ohio State, goes number six to the New York football giants. Todd, surely a quarterback won't get to number six with those top five picks for sale, but this makes sense. What do you make of it? Well, I think this is the fascinating part of this this draft class. I mean, we're going to be talking about this for the next few months. And I think like the last few years, we've seen just about every quarterback taken in the first round, teams are moving up to go get those guys. And so with with the Giants sitting at 6, Jacksonville at 7, Denver at 10, Miami at 13, all of those, what's to say that we're not going to see some, some movement again? Now, Haskins may not have as high a grade as some of the other quarterbacks the last few years. But there's really, in my opinion, only two first-round quarterbacks in Haskins and Kyler Murray, and the need is obvious there. So, yeah, you look at the first five picks, and and we can't project trades, Mel. So I totally, I totally get what you're doing here. Uh, but I think the question could be asked: If Kyler Murray can go 13 to Miami, mm-hmm. then why couldn't he go seven to Jacksonville? So that's to me, that's going to be the real fascinating part of this as we lead up to the draft, and then figuring out if Kyler Murray and we can get in this conversation is he legitimately all in in football? I mean, that's going to be mm-hmm. another huge question, or is this just a ploy by by Scott Boris, his agent, who's a a shark, trying to get more money out of the Oakland A's? We're going to get a lot. Of, it's going to be a lot of information and misinformation, I think, over the next couple of months with this Kyler Murray situation. Hey, Mel, I'll put this in your ear. What sure. did Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, say about Kyler Murray? I'd take him with the first pick of the draft if I could. I know he's signed up to play baseball, but I, he is a dominant football player, and um, I would I would take him with the first pick. What do you think, Mel? <laughs> Well, that was October, I believe, when Cliff said that. Uh, little did he know that and it was, was going to have the first It was before playing him, too. Don't forget. Yeah, exactly. That was a game where they put a lot of points on the board, and Kyler Murray did as well. But that was October. And like I say, little did he know that he would be coaching the Arizona Cardinals, and they would have the number one pick in the draft, and he'd be having to make that statement come true. Yeah, and the Josh Rosen, all the talk about trade Rosen, draft Murray if you're Kingsbury, whatever. But I think uh, when you look at what, what Todd said about Kyler Murray, is he all in? 
Also, when you talk about you know the Jacksonville Jaguars, we have Joe Flacco, Nick Foles, Teddy Bridgewater. There's other mm-hmm. options for teams that are kind of ready-made for now and don't want to necessarily wait two, three years. Uh, can they go out and get the veteran quarterback? Think about Kyler Murray. He's not a traditional NFL quarterback. He's about, what, 5'9"? We'll see at the Combine what his exact height is. He's not a big-bodied kid, broad shoulders. He's not Russell Wilson. Uh, he's not 210 pounds like Russell was when he came out of Wisconsin. He's probably going to be about 190, 195. I think you look at the body type. We haven't had that before. This will be something new to the entire NFL draft. This will really be, Todd, historical. And, Chris, historical for the NFL draft to get a kid, say, 5'9", 195, going in the top ten of the draft, or the first round for that matter, or even the second round. Russell Wilson was a, a third-round pick. Three and a half months ago to the draft, a lot of time, senior bowl, combine, pro day still to go, but I think Kyler Murray right now is going to be the talk of the draft, and we'll know a lot of this before, obviously, April, the end of April when the draft rolls around as to whether Kyler Murray is, in fact, going to be an Oakland A. Is he going to be all in for football? Because he's going to have to be, Todd. He's not a defensive back. He's not a running back. He's a quarterback. He can't just waltz in in October and say, here I am, give me the ball. Yeah, he can't do both. You no. can't do both. And And I think... The only way you could wind up doing both is the way I think he's going to try it, and that's to try to play football first and see how it goes. And if that's what he does, I commend him, and it makes sense. And after if he gives it three full years and, and it's not working out, then it's not too late to go back to baseball. But I don't think you can do it in the reverse order. I don't think you can go play baseball for a few years, see if that works out, and then come back and play the quarterback position. It's just it's not built that yeah, way. Players have tried that. You know, Drew yeah. Henson, the different ones, you know, they have tried that route and it hasn't worked uh, necessarily. But, uh, you know, there was a threat. Number one, John Elway was drafted number one in 1983. Oh, I'm going to go play for the Yankees. I'm not going to play for the Baltimore the Colts. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a threat there. It was talking even about Marino with baseball, but it's happened before, but never to this extent where the ninth pick in the Major League Baseball draft gets what the, the big signing bonus. And he, everybody thought that it was a one year with the Oklahoma Sooners and it's no question. I also think, Todd, this caught NFL people a little by surprise. I don't think they expected Kyler Murray to be in oh, this no draft. Question, no. They weren't really preparing for it. Now all of a sudden he's there and we got to deal with this. And we got a lot of teams thinking quarterback. Are they going to be thinking traditional or are they going to be thinking out of the box, outside the box a little bit? Like say, Tom Coughlin in Jacksonville. Yeah, you, know, you got to think about today's NFL, not 1985 NFL. And Kyler Murray now, I heard even Terry Bradshaw say about a month ago, he's too short. Well, he's saying to play in the NFL at a high level as a starting quarterback. You're talking about a first-round pick, maybe a top-ten pick. We talk about Kingsbury saying number one pick overall. So we're talking about something that's never happened before in the history of the NFL, and certainly the draft. We're going to see unfold if, in fact, Kyler Murray decides to be all-in on football. Hey, Todd. He would be the first oh, the first player ever drafted in the first round of both the Major League Baseball draft and the NFL draft, which is which tells you just how big of a story this is. And to your point, every every scout I talked to, I talked to area scouts that were in doing all their due diligence on Oklahoma, looking at that offensive line, looking at some of the defensive prospects, studying everything, even the underclassmen. I kept on getting reports back saying, "Hey, eh, you know." I'm just, I'm not going to spend the time now on it because he's going to do one of two things. He's going to go play Major League Baseball or he'll come back to Oklahoma for next year and continue his football career that way. And so I'll have time to prepare. So there are a lot of scouts and a lot of NFL teams scrambling right now to get caught up on Kyler Murray. Let's just go over the financials real quick for Kyler Murray just so we have, so we have some perspective here. If Kyler Murray went number 10 overall in this draft, which is where Josh Rosen went last year, Josh Rosen basically got about $19 million in guarantees. 
The Oakland A's, that's, that's a, that's a pretty good chunk of change to get into that. It's it basically unprecedented territory, uh, for a kid like this. So it is, it's, it's fascinating. Well, he's, just so you, just so you understand and have yeah. a comparison, he's, his current guaranteed money is 4.66 million. Exactly. So 4.7 million versus about 19 million. You can do the ma- pretty simple math there. But the other thing is, if his baseball career lasts yep. and he makes it to major league baseball, he would he would bridge that gap in a hurry. I mean, the, the contracts in Major League Baseball for an average player are as good, better than most elite players in the NFL. Yep. So, I, you know, that that would be the big difference in what you have to look at, and obviously longevity if he were to turn out to be a good player. But what, what's to say he's going to be? I know he was a high draft pick. He didn't play that well last year at Oklahoma in baseball, and and he's had his struggles. And so, if you're looking at a fifteen, potentially a Ten fifteen million dollars in guaranteed money right away. I can see, I can see how there would be obviously be interest if you love both sports. Yeah, and I'll tell you what. I mean, Mel, you mentioned that you know we're not drafting the quarterback in nineteen eighty five, and I remember when Russell Wilson was drafted. You sat there and you said this will be a good litmus test for young QBs. And one of the guys you cited though that it's not like it hasn't been done before. Mm-hmm. Drew Brees, mm-hmm. uh, was it kind of a, in scouting terms, about a 6000. Mm-hmm. Um, Wilson's kind of that 5'11. I mean, Kyler might be, well, almost certainly is shorter than that, maybe even in the 5'9 range. But I don't know, for both of you, don't you kind of get a kick out of the possibilities here? The fact that a year after Baker Mayfield, a two time walk on, went number one overall, that it seems like NFL offenses have come around to the idea that if the guy is good enough, They'll find a way. Even Patrick Mahomes, I see he's in the shotgun a lot. He's throwing across the the, yeah. the line of scrimmage a lot. I mean, it just seems like offenses the game is changing, have, have come the, up. And Todd, yeah, the what game do you is think? changing. The quarterback position, the offenses in general, are trickling up, if you will, from yep. college to the NFL. And it's a more spread out game. All the rules are in, fr- in favor of, of offenses. Smaller quarterbacks can last longer. Typically, because you're not getting hit that much, uh, you get the ball out quickly. You spread things out. It's not as physical of a football game, and you don't have to be a pocket passer in six five. It's just the prototype is different. I think mm-hmm. it's going to shift more to six one, six two, quicker guys, twitchier guys who get the ball. I mean, look at look at the league now. And it's the spread guys with Mahomes, um, Drew Brees. Obviously, has had his success. Just six oh oh one, I think, was his exact height at the combine. Obviously, you talk about uh, Russell Wilson with five ten and three eighths inches, and and then all these different spread guys. Like as I mentioned, Mahomes, Mayfield, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, it it's just becoming a different game, and I think it, it's going to work. I think he fits what the the new mold of quarterback is. Now, is it an extreme? Yeah, and could he be five eight and a half? Yeah, he could be. But I, I think because of the game changes, and because we're only talking about an inch and a half, two inches away from what Russell Wilson is, <laughs> I, I think he has a really good shot to succeed. Hey, Mel, yeah, I think, I think no. the, Chris, before we get the point guard mentality is yeah. what you're looking at. You're back yep. so far. I just, I'll jokingly always say you're almost in punt formation when you're in a shotgun now. You're so far back. I you're in space. Yeah, you're not under center. You're not worrying about three, five, seven step drop. The old days are over. You can't think old. You gotta think today. And I don't care if you're 60 or you're 25, you gotta adjust your whole thought process. And I think we all have now. I think it's interesting with Kyler Murray. Todd mentioned only player ever to be drafted first round, NFL first round baseball. Yet in either sport, both sports, we don't know how good he'll be. 
Even though he's a first-round quarterback, you, there's still some mystery there. Baseball, there's always a mystery. Can you hit the curveball? Can you hit major league pitching? That's always a mystery, no matter how good you are coming through the collegiate ranks or high school ranks. So the mystery about will he be a great baseball player, big mystery football, nothing's locked in in either sport when Kyler Murray yet First round for both, more than likely. So I think it's going to be fascinating, to say the least, as to what happens with Kyler Murray, Chris. Hey, Todd, it's a different different kid, different attitude, different player. But I'm just going to read you this stat line. 285 of 404, so he completed 70.5% of his passes for 4,600 yards. That was Baker Mayfield last year. This year, 260 of 377, 69% of his passes for 4,361. Don't you think... Put a height, put all that stuff aside. Don't you think that NFL coaches who had to study Baker Mayfield last year at Oklahoma and say, will this work? Will this kid work at the NFL? Don't you think that benefits Kyler that it's the same offense? The numbers are damn near identical and they can at least process what we're talking about. I do think there's something to that that I think. You know, just a few years ago, we were talking about ah, none of these spread guys. You know, from the from the Texas Tech mold. You know, the that yep. tree that we've seen. No one, no one has really had success long term. And now we've seen the barrier broken multiple times. Um, I do think he's a more explosive athlete than Baker Mayfield, but there, there's there's some other areas that are different. You know, Baker Mayfield played a lot of games. We're talking about, I think, 14 starts versus, what was it, 48 or 50 for Baker Mayfield. Um, Baker was taller. Baker, I think more importantly, is thicker. Like Mel mentioned, he probably went around 20, 25 pounds bigger and just yeah, a Baker, thicker frame. Baker, we have a 220. I mean, he's, he's a thick so, guy. Yeah, so so like potentially 30 pounds difference. Yeah. And, and just, again, a wider, thicker frame. And the other thing is, I do think Baker developed. Now, it wasn't always the case, but developed over the course of his career and playing and game experience, uh, better pocket presence than, than we've seen from Kyler. Now, they're both accurate. They, they both have quick uh, releases. They both are, I think, can make all the NFL throws and have stronger arms than I think they both get credited for. Um, uh, so there, there are a lot of similarities, but I think the size, Game experience and pocket poise and presence are the three areas where you'd have to lean towards uh, Baker Mayfield. Hey, Mel, as we mm-hmm. skipping ahead here, just thinking that, as Todd said, that all the teams drafting in the top five have what you would consider a young or emerging quarterback situation. So you have Arizona with Josh Rosen, the Niners, obviously, a big investment in Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, the Jets, obviously, Sam Darnold had great four-game stretch to end the season. Oakland with Carr, Tampa Bay, Winston for another year, you know, with a new coaching situation. Don't these all look for sale to you? Do you see one situation where you say, that team should just get out of there? Maybe it's Oakland where they just need bodies, should get out of there and add up picks. Yeah, they do. I, I think particularly number one uh, because of where that the, the team is right now in terms of the quarterback position. Rosen... Of all the young quarterbacks in the first round, probably struggled the most, but that's because a lot of it had to do with the team around him. Yeah. Coach is now gone. Kingsbury's in. I think the Josh Allen pick 
uh, with Kentucky to the 49ers because the Jets kind of need that edge guy. The 49ers need that edge guy. You've had Armstead, Buckner had a great year. Thomas hasn't emerged. You've had three guys very similar, yet Buckner's the best of that group. Now you bring the edge guy in to complement that group and Allen. The Jets need exactly that kind of player there as well. So I think Allen is a kind of the hot guy. He's the kind of guy that both those teams need. So mm-hmm. I would think they'll have to be a little leery of obviously giving up the opportunity to get Josh Allen by moving out of there. So I think uh, Josh Allen kind of complicates matters for those teams just a bit. Todd, going back to Kyler real quick, you know, we brought up Baker Mayfield, but, you know, one thing that gets forgotten, Baker Mayfield obviously uh, came in in week three when Tyrod Taylor went down and then, you know, went on, went on to break the rookie touchdown passing record. Couldn't you see a situation for either Haskins or Kyler like the Cleveland Browns where that team goes out and gets Tyrod Taylor? They get that bridge quarterback um, whether it's a Nick Foles, whether it's a Teddy Bridgewater, that seemed to be the trend last year. The Buffalo Bills did it with A.J. McCarron. He obviously got hurt. The New York Jets kept Josh McCown around for a lot of money. Even Arizona uh, paid Sam Bradford like people tend to do before uh, Rosen stepped in. So doesn't that seem like that's an obvious situation, whether it's in Jacksonville, with the Giants, depending on what happens uh, with Eli, with Miami, I mean, there's a couple others out there. Yeah, I think with the Giants, Eli is your bridge, and yeah. you can you can probably play one more season with them or or a portion of the season as you're developing a young quarterback. If it's Dwayne Haskins, I think Jacksonville can't bring in enough quarterbacks. I mean, they've just got to, they got to scrap that. Open tryouts. And I would bring in a veteran, and I would I would try to draft one as well. And that way, you're because let's face it, any of those veterans that that Mel mentioned before. Do you feel confident in any of them that they are a long-term answer? No. I mean, Flacco can't even win out his job in, in Baltimore. I mean, he's got, I just, you know, I look at it, Foles maybe, but there's talk of Foles maybe only wanting to play one or two more years. So I think if you're a quarterback-needy team, you've got you to look at it and say, all right, what's the bridge? For Jacksonville, I think it's bringing one of those veterans, and then also I've got to be prepared that it's not going to work out. That maybe we'll get a full season out of this guy, but if we're going to spend a, the seventh overall pick or or even move up to go get one of these quarterbacks, we've got to be prepared probably to play him as well because we say it every year. And look at look at all the first round quarterbacks who played. All five of them played. All five of the first round quarterbacks from a year ago played. It's every single year we say, "Oh, Lamar's too far away. He's going to need time." Well, he came in and, and led led Baltimore to the playoffs. It was unconventional. It looked ugly in the playoffs, and it may not be the long term answer. But he played and he had some successes his rookie season. So I I think you're going to plan on playing the rookie at some point, but you want to have someone there in case it's not working out or to start the season if your quarterback is not ready immediately as a rookie. Hey, Mel, among these top five teams that we just mentioned as potential trade bait situations, I mean, it's pretty awesome to get Nick Bosa, just an advanced player. You talk about his hand use, whatever you want to talk about. And then you think, man, there's a lot of these guys in this draft. You can get down to shoot number 12. Maybe Cleveland Furrell's still there. You know, you get down to 17. Maybe Jeffrey Simmons yeah. is there. I mean, is that doesn't that kind of incentivize some of these teams to to get out? Even if you, even if the idea of Nick Bosa lining up across the formation from Chandler Jones just sounds incredible. 
Yeah, I think for them it would be interesting to get out. Uh, I think, like I say, the Josh Allen situation is interesting there because he's so good and he came one like he did. Uh, do you want to drop down and lose out on that type of player? I think it's interesting. 20, we talked about how, how heavy the draft was on defense. 20 defensive players in this mock number one. Uh, only six seniors, uh, five third-year sophomores in the top in the mock draft uh, first round. Three in the top six. I don't think we've had that before, Todd. That often, where that many third-year sophomores are that highly rated. The SEC dominates again. Fourteen SEC players. Next closest conference, the Big Ten, at seven. <laughs> They're doubled the next conference. So it's pretty amazing how that worked. The top teams in the Final Four. Oklahoma with three, Alabama with four, Ohio State with four right there. Oh, it's going to be Clemson with three, Ohio State just out of the final four with four. Notre Dame, none right now in the first round the way it looks, but that can change. But I think when you look at the first round in general, there's a kid, Todd, and you've watched him, O'Shane Ziminis from Old Dominion. He would be the first yep. Old Dominion Monarch player ever drafted. History of the NFL, history of Old Dominion, first player ever drafted, let alone first round for O'Shane Ziminis from Old Dominion. So a lot of interesting things going on there. The Oakland Raiders and John Gruden, now with Mike Mayock as the GM, three first-round picks. I'm with Greedy Williams, Marquise Brown, kind of a Cliff Branch a little bit there. Maybe they see in the old Raider, great, out of Colorado. Uh, Cliff Branch, uh, Irv Smith Jr., tight end. They've got Dave Casper, Ray Chester. They have Jared Cook, but I think Irv Smith Jr. would look good there. So I think it's going to be interesting. You mentioned the, the quarterback side, the, the bridge, it's gone. Uh, Susie Colbert, I think we were with Susie last year, and we were all talking about it. He said, ah, you guys are, all these quarterbacks are playing. Don't worry about those other guys. Well, the Browns thought enough of Tyrod Taylor to give up the first pick in the third round. So they thought he would be a bridge to Mayfield, that maybe they could redshirt Mayfield like they did with Mahomes. That didn't happen. So I think the days of looking at that guy, you know what that guy is? That guy now is a tutor. That guy now, like Derek Anderson with Josh Allen, is an extension of your coaching staff to help these young guys adjust. Everything you need to be a rookie to go all-encompassing to get them ready mentally to deal with all that. That's what those quarterbacks now are brought in to be, an extension of the coaching staff and a tutor, not the quarterback for more than a game or two. Todd, let's flip to the discussion of skill position football because we keep talking about all the points that are being scored at all levels. I'm looking at Mel's mock draft. I mean, I'm scanning here for 20 minutes before I see a WR. I don't see any RBs. But does anybody, Mel's got A.J. Brown out of Ole Miss as his first wide receiver off the board at number 22 overall to the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm just wondering, does anybody have a chance to crash the party? How fast does A.J. have to run? How fast does Irv have to run? Is is there anybody that's on your radar that's going to go to Indy or a pro day that's that's really going to boost stock because it's not like some of these teams in the top 10 don't need these weapons. It's not like Josh Allen doesn't need a great weapon in Buffalo or you know, or somebody like say the New York Jets. I mean, these there's obvious weapon deficiencies here, but I just don't know if the guy exists. Yeah, I mean, there's always a guy or two that pops up, but I think what's going to happen this year is at these offensive skill positions, even quarterback, if you really want to look at it, I think there's going to be a big run on day two. Yeah. I think the talent is too good in the defensive front seven. I mean, you look at these defensive tackles and edge players, and they're just flooding the first round. Nick Bosa of Ohio State, Josh Allen, Kentucky, they're top two. Quinn and Williams at three. You go down the list, it's it's pretty amazing. Rashawn Gary from Michigan, um, Cleveland Furrell from, from Clemson, Ed Oliver from Houston. Those are all in the top 14, and then Ja'Kai Polite at 15, and Brian Burns at 16. So it makes up more than half of your first half of the first round. Now, to the point, 
I do think you're going to start seeing in the 20s, but then really in, in the 30s and 40s in that range, where you're, you'll see the running backs, wide receivers. Like I said, I think potential backup quarterbacks. There's a lot of those guys this year. I, you know, you, you look at um, Daniel Jones, Mel's guy, and Drew Locke from Missouri, Will Greer from West Virginia, um, Ryan Finley from uh, NC State. There's, there's about seven or eight quarterbacks that legitimately could work their way into that second, third round range. At wide receiver, you got A.J. Brown in here. You got uh, Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. Paris Campbell came in at 32 out of Ohio State. Uh, there's some other guys like D.K. Metcalf could work out well, and you want to see his durability coming out of uh, coming out of that same old Miss program. So there's there's a handful of receivers. I think Noah Fant is another one. He's got two tight ends, and uh, let's see, T.J. Hawkinson. He's got going to Tennessee at 19, coming out of Iowa. Fant is also from Iowa. He's more of a receiver. Uh, Hawkinson is more of a complete player. Irv Smith, he's got from Alabama, going 27 to uh, the Oakland Oakland Raiders. And after that, like I mentioned, Fant as well. So there's tight ends. There's Damian Harris and Brandon Jacobs from Alabama at the running back position, Bryce Love and some other backs. So I, I think we're going to see a bunch of those guys in that second, third round range. Mel, he was called as your guy, Daniel Jones from Duke. <laughs> you put him to New England at 29. I know you're not trying to just uh, start a fire here, but I mean, Mike Reese, I've talked to him about it. Everybody around that team says that you know it's it makes plenty of sense for the New England Patriots to take a quarterback with this late first round pick or certainly in the second round with no mm-hmm. offense intended for their ageless quarterback i mean they did it a few years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo Brady just refused to age uh, does that make sense this year again obviously it does to you it just fell that way uh, you yeah. know daniel jones is a quarterback who i thought made a lot of improvement david cutcliffe's had six quarterbacks move on to the nfl and of course by eli and peyton uh, manning uh you think about his size brady like his arm is compact release. Uh, he had 185 yards rushing in one game this year against North Carolina. So Daniel Jones is a pretty good athlete, and Daniel a very underrated athlete, uh, and his family very athletic. Uh, he certainly has all the skills, and I think for New England and Tom Brady going to be 42 when next year begins. Uh, you know, at some point, yeah, and, it, and it's been a while since Jimmy Garoppolo was that second round pick. Yeah, How many years been. have passed since he was taken in the second round? <laughs> Four. Yeah, now we're talking about a late first round pick, almost a second round pick on Daniel Jones. So at some point, Tom Brady. Brady's going to retire. Is it going to happen when he's 45, 50? We don't know, but it's going to happen. And I think Daniel Jones in the late first round uh, would make sense considering his his skill set is is kind of, I wouldn't say Tom Brady-like, but I think there'll be some things that they look at and say, boy, with his size, his compact release, Moves better than Brady did coming out of Michigan. Smart kid, Cutcliffe factor. Yeah, I think I think Daniel Jones ends up in the front. I don't, I don't love him and saying he's elite. He's going to be a franchise quarterback. But I think when you get to that point, Daniel Jones would make a lot of sense. Josh points out that it's actually been five years since the Patriots smartly drafted a uh, an heir apparent to Tom Brady. So <laughs> he's just kind of outlasting them. Todd, tell me a little bit about what happened with Ed Oliver, who. Still projected as a top 15 pick. Mel's got him number 14 to uh, the Atlanta Falcons. Hey, that's not bad. Here's $10 million. Go play football. But this was this is a guy that we talked about as, as a top three guy going into the season. What has happened to – I'm not saying he's even going to end up at this point. Who knows what could happen during the draft process. But obviously, 
you know, it's it's dipped a little bit for for Ed Oliver. Yeah, I think the first thing that's important to note, at least in my opinion, it, it has nothing to do with the whole jacket gate, you know, with him. Oh, yeah. Major Applewhite. That NFL teams don't care about that. I personally thought that was more on Major Applewhite than it was on Ed Oliver, but, um, you know, that's for each team to figure out. To me, it's, it's twofold. One is 273 pounds. That's what, that's what NFL scouts have gotten on him. And, you know, the Aaron Donald comparison, because they're undersized, well, Aaron Donald was 290 and has continued to bulk up and without losing any quickness. Can he do that? Well, it remains to be seen, but why hasn't he been able to get even in the 280s to this point? The second thing is, and I went back and studied Aaron Donald tape from his last year at Pittsburgh just to just to kind of wipe away the comparison. They're both highly disruptive versus the run. The difference is Donald is a finisher as a pass rusher. He He knew how to get off of blocks. He was lightning quick with his hands, was a technician, and he just... Some guys just have instincts and know how to be slippery as a pass rusher, and that's what he he always has been. And you don't see that same production uh, from from Ed Oliver. And I, I think he's a little bit more like a, a Grady Jarrett, you know, that type of player, where he's going to be really disruptive versus a run. He'll be disruptive as a pass rusher, but he's never going to be, or at least to this point, he's never been that you know double digit sack guy, and doesn't appear that he's going to be that kind of guy in the NFL either. And you've got Quinn and Williams and some other defensive tackles that have, have emerged this year, and you've got so many defensive linemen, and we're now talking about two quarterbacks potentially going in the top 13, which wasn't necessarily the case when we started this process. So a lot of things have, have changed since the start of this, the, you know, since August, let's put it that way. Mel, can you, Todd mentioned a couple of them from Bama, mm-hmm. but, you know, we actually have, we've gone away from a few years ago, we were talking about, you're never going to see running backs taken around one anymore. When we were looking at drafts where Gio Bernard was the first guy off the board at like 45. Well, mm-hmm. Zeke happened, Fournette happened, uh, Saquon happened at number two overall. Mm-hmm. You can still question whether Saquon should have been taken versus say, you know, Sam Darnold at number three based on where that team is with their quarterback situation. But obviously when you take a running back early, you know, you're going to get the productivity, but I don't see a single one on your first round board here. Anybody with the potential to crash the party and follow up question, Mr. Kuiper, mm-hmm. uh, who else is in the mix outside of the Bama crew? I think, uh, you know, Devin Singletary at Florida Atlantic, uh, with the way he ran. Uh, you think about Bryce Love not healthy, had the, in the injury late. That's why he's at six. Daryl Henderson at Memphis, Todd. Uh, the kid mm-hmm. caught the ball. He's that explosive. Kid is fun to watch. He was fun to watch. Very entertaining. David Montgomery just gets the tough yards. He earns his real estate. He doesn't have the big flashy runs, but uh, he's an interesting guy to put in there. And then Jacobs, they had said all along, he's our most explosive back, and he turned out to be. They put him in a wildcat. He's, he runs with that little chip on his shoulder. And Josh Jacobs really emerged. And I put him right there with Harris. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not convinced Harris is going to go before. I think Jacobs could go before Damian Harris. Todd. I agree. I agree. Check out these numbers, guys. Daryl Henderson, I don't care if it's at Memphis when you do this. When everybody knows you're going to get the ball, 8.9 yards per carry in each of the last two years. This year he had 22 touchdowns. He actually caught the ball 63 times. When everybody knows you're going to get the ball and you got 8.9, you're doing something right. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on that guy. Todd, this year, uh, you know, George Kittle U, Iowa, has a couple big pass catchers, uh, depending on how you want to categorize them, with uh, obviously with Fant and Hawkinson. 
But I keep hearing and seeing with my uneducated own eyes that this tight end class looks pretty legit. Um, you know, again, as we talk about teams spreading it out and throwing it around a lot, that's benefited a lot of tight ends and a lot of, you know, kind of hybrid types. Uh, is this class as loaded as I keep hearing? Yeah, it's pretty good. It's a good class. I mean, Alberto, I believe from what I've read, going has back. decided mm-hmm. to go back mm-hmm. go back to Missouri. I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name right now. I don't have a pronunciation <laughs> guide in front of me. Uh, but but Alberto was, would have been another guy, I think, somewhere on day two. But with Fant, you've got a, a basically a, a slot wide receiver with size to create mismatches. Yeah. With with Hawkinson, you've got a, a complete guy, a wide tight end that can play inside. You can move him out and flex him out and do different things. He's going to run better than people think. He's a better athlete than people think. He's got great hands, and he's a tough SOB as a blocker, really is. And and I think Irv Smith has gotten better and better as a blocker. He was downright nasty in that Oklahoma game. And I, I think while he projects a little bit more as kind of your slot receiver and that F tight end, I think that he's shown that he's at least capable and functional as a blocker, even if it's just in space in the NFL. So to to start out with those three guys, that's a, that's a stronger group off the top than we normally see. And Hawkinson, the third-year sophomore, that's like a waiting, Todd, because you don't want to put these guys too high early. But every time you watched him, 38 was the impressive guy, the blocking, the inline, the the catch, the the enthusiasm he plays the game with, the toughness, and that chip he plays with. And, you know, he's so valuable. I gave him to Tennessee. They need weapons for Mariota. And, uh, you know, you think about what he could mean to that team, several teams in the late first round. So I think T.J. Hawkinson, once he declared, boy, it's like get him right up there because he's a big-time talent. Guys, we have an incredible stack of mail uh, coming here. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we got stacks here. Some of these are smart questions. i gotta, I got to give you guys some credit. You've been reading your Kuiper McShay on ESPN.com. What a credit. We will be right back after the break with this stack of mail. Guys, there is so much fired up Cleveland Browns mail. It's amazing. It's usually, usually you start getting, uh, usually you start getting notes from Browns fans in September asking about the quarterback class. Now they got Baker. They got, you know, seven wins. They're fired up. Kevin Hall at Kevin RN ass. Todd, after missing for many years with first round picks, the Browns have hit home runs the last couple of years. What do you see them doing in the early rounds this year? Just where are you prioritizing? I think they can continue to get more weapons, you know, and that's probably going to be second, third round range. I think you got to continue to get Baker more weapons. I think the offensive line, they can continue to try to upgrade there. Um, Mel's got a 17, Jeffrey Simmons, it would make sense, continue to get pass rushers coming out of Mississippi State. I think Simmons is a little bit of an underrated player, and, and like we talked about, there are so many guys in that defensive front seven, defensive line and edge edge players that there's going to be someone good sitting there at number 17. So those are a few of the areas I think you'll see in the, the first few rounds. Mel, can't wait for next year 32. B. Hawkins says, how high will LSU linebacker Devin White go? What do you think? Well, linebackers are kind of being, I wouldn't say phased out, but their value isn't what it once was. So they drop a little further down. Devin White ate the Detroit 
to the Lions. Uh, yeah, I have uh, you know down a little bit further than that. Devin Bush, who I really got a Michigan as a Pittsburgh Steeler at twenty. So if the value's not there, but these kids are great players, they fly to the ball. Devin White will probably run, hopefully, and for his sake, in the four fives. At least he plays like it. Very dedicated, very focused kid. He's got a sight set on being a great linebacker in the NFL. Uh, I think he can run around like Deion Jones. When he came out of LSU, he was a second round pick. So had a really good start to his career. Had an injury this year, but I think that value of a speed guy, Todd. You got the linebackers now. We talk about adjusting your whole mindset about a quarterback. Now, these speeds, this speed factor, this range factor, and being on the field and being able to cover and fly to the football and tackle in space because all these short passes these quarterbacks are throwing, uh, you know, a guy like Devin White in today's league, I think, and same thing with Devin Bush from Michigan, both those kids, I think while they're being phased out a bit, the true might men, the, the guys that are the run stuffers, forget them, but these kind of guys that can fly to the football still, I think, in this day and age have value. Yeah, they, these guys fit the mold, and that's why you're going to see them go in the first round. They're they're both exceptionally quick, instinctive. They both love the game. I, of all the players we met with every Friday leading up to a game, you know, talking about 15 weeks, pro, I don't know, over a hundred players. Outside of maybe Trace McSorley, I don't know that there is a more impressive player to sit down and meet with than uh, than Devin White. He he gets it. He loves the game. He's um, he's exactly what you want from a leader, and I, I just think he's going to be a special player at the next level, and I think Devin Bush will be too. Guys, uh, get a couple more here. Um, weakest position group in this draft, Nathan M33 wants to know. Mel, what do you think? Weakest position group? You know, I'm just going through it real quick. Obviously, no running back in the first, but I think it's a pretty good second. I have six running backs with second round grades. Yeah. Wide receiver, not great, but Hakeem Butler, Iowa State, Anthony Johnson, Buffalo, uh, Calvin Harmon, NC State. There's gonna, I think there's gonna be some good, good second, third round receivers that are taken. Uh, offensive tackle. I think that could be the weak area, Todd, after all said. That's a group where Jonah Williams may in fact be a right tackle or guard. Jawan Taylor's a right tackle. The left tackle, Greg Little, a little inconsistent. Kajus from West Virginia. Dennis Daly from South Carolina, I think is interesting. I think he's a little underrated, but maybe tackle. There's a decent amount of guards, some centers, uh, pass rushers. We talk about how strong this defensive group is, so you got strength there. I probably would say offensive tackle might be the weakest spot after all said and done. Todd, I'll, th- I'll throw out a name that hasn't been mentioned yet. This must be, uh, Somebody who follows me on Twitter. Joel McDade asks, where does a Heisman candidate, I like him plugging that, a Heisman candidate like Gardner Minshew fall on your big board? And what is your take That's on his NFL potential? That's a question all the way. Hey, you know what? Yeah, really. Josh pulled these. It popped up. I just think it, it stood uh, out to me. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was 150th question. And you found it. Uh, <laughs> I like Minshew. I think, it, I, I, I think it's a day three pick. Yeah. He's got a chance. You know, he obviously transferred in. It's a pass-friendly offense, but I don't think he was a product of the system. I like the way he plays. He's He's got a little Baker Mayfield to him in terms of just the energy he has out there, sees the whole field. I think he's got a chance to, to develop into a solid backup in the league. Yeah, I think when you look at the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award oh, winner, go. Gardner Minshew. You know, that was pretty cool, Mel. They brought him out there. Brooks Robinson's out there. It's very baltimore up, but I, I actually appreciated it. Uh, let's see here. Um, every year, Thomas Canaric asks, every year there are a few workout warriors. Guys, it's a little bit early, and I gotta, I gotta put in a plug here too. I think we're actually gonna be able to do a podcast from the NFL Combine. Is that right, Josh? That is accurate, Mr. Sproul. Correct. Wow. So, 
Go ahead and, you know, PayPal us each $1,000 for the tickets. We'll be sending those out. Um, I'm kidding. Don't do that. Every year there are a few workout warriors at the Combine. Mel, Todd, maybe each of you, you got a few. Mel, don't take 20. (laughs) Who do you got that stand out you know is going to be a workout warrior? That's good. I think from a speed standpoint, some of these linebackers, Brian Burns at Florida State should run really well. Jermaine Pratt at NC State would be another one to throw in there. A kid I want to see, Todd, when he works out, and I think he's going to be at the senior role, Corey Ballantyne at Washburn, cornerback, intriguing mm-hmm. guy there. Juan Thornhill, I wrote him up on ESPN.com, cornerback safety out of Virginia, really nice player. I want to see how he works out as well. And I think, uh, you know, from a standpoint of wide receivers, we always get one or two of those guys that have the, the great numbers. But I think when you look at Hakeem Butler at 6465, tremendously athletic, is he going to wow people over enough to make Hakeem Butler from Iowa State a first round draft choice? Some think third round, some think first round, some think second. They're all over the board on Hakeem Butler. But but I think workouts certainly will wake up some people as to what kind of athlete he is. Yeah, I don't know what Marquise Brown runs for a 40, <laughs> the wide receiver from Oklahoma, but he's one of the faster players I can remember evaluating on, on the field, play speed. So he, I'm, I'll be interested to see what he runs. Uh, DK Metcalf is supposed to be a workout warrior. His health will be a factor in, in the whole evaluation, and will he even be ready to work out coming off the, the neck injury? But uh, he's supposed to be – he's a big guy. He looks the part. I mean, absolutely. He's like a Mike Evans body type. Mm-hmm. He's another player who, who could have a good workout. Paris Campbell's supposed to put up some pr- impressive numbers, the Ohio State wide receiver who you had in at, at 32 as well mm-hmm. for the uh, Green Bay Packers. Now, I'll give one Herm Edwards. We had one the Darian Mel show back in, I think it was October. Uh, and we were up Rennell Wren, Todd, the defensive tackle. Now, didn't have the great yep. production for the Sun Devils, wasn't a dominant week, but he flashed. And he supposedly is going to be a guy that puts up elite numbers across the board from a workout standpoint. Rennell Wren, defensive tackle, Arizona State. You know, it's funny. You see Marquise Brown and you guys, this guy's never going to be able to hold up at the NFL level. And then you think back. Deshaun Jackson's held up. Marvin Harrison held up because, you know, he didn't take hits. And, I mean, every single year there's a guy, you know, at the poor man's end of it, there's a Robbie Anderson. But there's some of these guys with those kind of body types where they stick around for a lot longer than you think. And Teddy Ginn's still playing football, and he's still a problem. He still backs up safeties. You never know. Um, Mel, I'll give you this one. Jason Grenda asks, with the first round projected to be heavy with D um, and the Buffalo Bills needs primarily all over the Mm -hmm. offense, you know, I, I referenced this earlier on, but what do you do if there's best player available there? Or is that a team that you could think could be looking to move back? Yeah, at nine, uh, had Jonah Williams gone, and Jonah yeah. Williams, Todd, would make the most sense there if he were there. I just couldn't get him all the way down to nine. And actually, if you go back to the national championship game, he held his own. I mean, Farrell got him off balance once, and and uh, it made him look bad. But overall, when you look at that game, he held a pretty good at left tackle. The one play that Farrell yeah, made on fourth down wasn't him. He didn't block him. He pulled, and, and Farrell was unblocked and made the play. It wasn't on Jonah Williams. So uh, left tackle, right tackle, guard. Is he Brandon Sheriff? Is he going to end up at guard after being a left tackle at Iowa? We'll see on Jonah Williams. So I think ideally for Buffalo, Jonah Williams will be the pick, but I can't put him all the way at nine. I give him Rashawn Gary from Michigan, Kyle Williams retiring, keep improving that defense, which is excellent. You know, Josh Allen in the games he started and finished this year was five and five with that Buffalo Bill team. We got off the, uh, you know, and, and did some nice things, upset the Vikings early, and then dominated the, the Dolphins in the final game. So Darnold and Josh Allen both look like that's going to be a heck of a rivalry in that AFC East, uh, moving forward. So I think offense is going to be heavy in this draft, but you got to just take the best player. You 
can't force it at nine. If the best player is a defensive lineman, you got to take him. Hey, Todd, uh, Chris Brown in Bristol here wants to know. You know, you got to you got to do um, film room for the uh, for Clemson, and I know you've seen them in person earlier this season. One thing that it keeps sticking out to me is how these teams over the recent years, Ohio State in the secondary, Clemson up front, Bama up front, some of these teams that just have super loaded where they're going to lose seven, eight guys to the draft, invariably it seems like a guy further down the roster turns into a really good player, you know, whether it's an Adam Humphreys, you know, just that type. And I'm wondering, having watched Clemson and Bama who stood out that is going to get drafted, probably not in the first round, uh, is still going to be a really good player. That you know, just some of these guys that get further down these rosters that we're not talking about. I wouldn't be shocked if Albert Huggins wound up making an impact. I mean, which he's impressive from Clemson. You got four guys that are going to be drafted, three potentially in the first round with Christian Wilkins, uh, Cleveland Farrell, and Dexter Lawrence. Then you had Austin Bryant, the other starting defensive end, who's probably going to be a mid-round pick. Mm-hmm. And then Albert Huggins, when Dexter Lawrence is out because of suspension in the two playoff games, comes in and, and does a, a mm-hmm. really good job. And he's been a great backup the last couple of years for Clemson, and I think he's a day-three pick and a player that nobody really knows outside of, you know, Huggy Bear is the nickname. But it, it, as a guy who's never really started at Clemson, I think he's going to wind up getting drafted and, and could wind up you know, making a roster and, and contributing in the NFL. A couple guys real quick. Mitch Hyatt, the left tackle for Clemson, four-year starter, Todd. Does he end up at guard, right tackle? Obviously at left tackle, the athletic quick guys, but you give him trouble. But as an inside guy, can he be a factor there? Uh, and, I, and Hunter Renfro, the third down star, uh, made a lot of big catches throughout his career. You mentioned Adam Humphreys making it with Tampa Bay. Uh, certainly Hunter Renfro could. And for Alabama, Isaiah Bugs is just a guy to have on your football team. He was banged up late mm-hmm. in the year. But I think he showed this year that, you know, hey, uh, he could get it done. At a fairly high level, I think he had like 100%. nine sacks. Yeah, when it was yeah. all said and done, yeah, he had close yeah. to ten sacks this yeah. past year. That it was, yeah. he was mm-hmm. very much under the radar. You know, guys, I'll give you an example of how this played out this last year. But the Sean Hand, who was just kind of, you know, obviously a big time recruit at Alabama, but kind of just one of the rotational player. Did he run hot and cold? There's questions there, but. You know, it's funny. Deshaun Hand was like a breakthrough player for the Detroit Lions this season. Hey. Arguably, maybe the best player he on that came, defense for stretches of the season. Guys, um, he came on. Hand came on yep. the Darian Mel show last year prior to the oh, draft. Oh, that uh, was what got it going. Yeah, he came on then, like in early April, yep. and he had a chip. He felt like, hey, it's a scheme. People talk about my numbers. He was highly motivated to prove the doubters and the skeptics wrong that, hey, you're not putting me in the first and second round. I should be. He just had an attitude about him. And it was, it was not just being cocky and arrogant. It was really real that you could sense that, hey, Hand was highly motivated to, to really come in and make a splash. And that was, a, that turned out to be one whale of a pick. Yeah. It's just amazing. Some of these, these teams, I mean, <laughs> If you think about it, if you couldn't necessarily break the rotation at Clemson, it's not a big shot at you on the defensive line. I mean, you could have been on another team and just absolutely broken through. And then from a scouting standpoint, there's maybe a few a few less miles on that odometer anyway. Sprout, but. Alabama had 22 players drafted the last two years, yeah. eight of them in the first round. Yep. I've got 12 more guys this year. Now I've got to go back and look because a couple of them, I think Raekwon Davis has already said he's going back to school mm-hmm. but when the official list comes out. But 
Before the national championship games, in terms of eligible prospects, I had another 12 guys with draftable grades on it. I mean, yep. it's just it's amazing. You talk about that would be 34 in a three-year span. No, and it's it, it it just keeps happening over and over. I was I was laughing because you know like Nick Bosa got hurt this year, and Ohio State ran out you know Tyreek Smith, who's only just like a terrifying young uh, pass rusher. And but that's what happens in some of these programs where you know, especially in in some of these premium positions, they recruit hard. And let me ask you, you guys a question. Up. Let me ask you guys can answer a little argument that I had with uh, Dari, my co-host Dari oh, Noko, this past Saturday. Do you guys still believe to this day? As we speak right now, that Alabama is a dynasty. Yes. Yes. Okay. Chris? Yeah, absolutely. You All go right. 54 right. and 4 and you All do right. it in the SEC yeah. and you win All every right. SEC okay. World I'll game pass that along years. to yeah. uh, Mr. Dari Noko on Saturday. Please, out number. What was his point? That it's over now? Yeah, yeah. it's over. Like the, the dynasty's it, over. That it's ended? It's ended. It's done. Oh, hey, 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 okay. Dari, I'll tell you this. Our guys are saying that. Nick Saban might have just had his best recruiting best class, class ever, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's not done yet. Yep. Yeah, it, it, the lights ain't going out. And by the way, that quarterback's coming back. Tua's got to come back next year too, right, guys? <laughs> yes, he does. I believe so. Yes. Hey, uh, <laughs> and those yeah. wide receivers will have to come back too, Todd. Judy, yeah, the four Judy first round wide receivers. <laughs> Judy can't even be covered right now. He's coming back. They'll be fine. Guys, it's been fun. Let's turn out the lights on this one first. First draft in a while. Go to ESPN.com. Check out Mel Kuyper's new mock draft. You can't miss it. And by, above all, go to Apple Podcast. Search First Draft. Subscribe, rate, review. Uh, pull this one off. Outside of Mel being an hour late for the for the first podcast and, and my phone not working for the first half hour when he was back, it was great. Went swimmingly, it was, it was great, great. Other than when Perfect. Mel called in, and found it. out he was like on a bridge over Annapolis. Yeah, yeah I was in a little trap. We've, we've, we've been doing this podcast for about three and a half hours. Yeah. <laughs> Good news is now we're now we're every single week. So hopefully uh, this isn't the start of a pattern for you guys. No, no, we'll Ugh. make sure that's not the case. And, and Todd, but just a little pro. What is your next mock coming out? I don't have a clue, Mel. Post senior, I would think. I think right after Mobile, Mel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have a clue. There's a scheduling uh. department failed to get that to make sure yet. Okay. Yeah. All right. At some point. All let right. me just let me know. Give me I'll, a day. I'll, I'll keep your 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 uh, itinerary. How's that? Thanks for joining Thanks, us bro. on first draft. We pulled it off without a hitch. No problems. We'll see you again next week. Assuming. You know. Yeah, you don't have to say that like a question. It can be a statement. We are. See, we will see you again yes. next week. Yeah, I sound Period. like yeah. You sound a little indefinite. Great, great promo. Hell of a promo. Yeah, not we're, sure about it, but maybe. We're in mid-season form here, folks. First draft for this week. I'm Chris, Mel, Todd. We'll talk again. <laughs> Thanks for listening to First Draft. For more great podcasts, check out ESPN.com/slash PodCenter.